0: Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage, where I join broadcaster and freelance heritage tour guide Audrey Yip for a tour of Sai Ying pun Interestingly, as you'll be hearing, Audrey runs a show on Metro on heritage, arts and culture in Cantonese, and her love of heritage led her to the tour group Walk in Hong Kong. Do look up their website. They provide a whole range of interesting walking tours around different districts in Hong Kong. I joined Audrey Yip for a highlights walk-around of a tour of Sai Ying pun so we made it a bit shorter to fit in with the Hong Kong Heritage Programme. But it still gave us time to see an old hospital, a red post box, and chat to a tofu shopkeeper and paper offerings maker.
1: Hello, my name is Audrey and I'm a heritage enthusiast of Hong Kong, of course. Uh, My profession is a broadcaster, doing Cantonese program. But my passion is heritage conservation. So anything old about buildings, about neighbourhoods, about people's stories interests me. So that's why I joined uh, Walk in Hong Kong as a freelance tourist guide and uh, hopefully uh, to uncover interesting stories to local people and also visitors alike but you're also a broadcaster. So what's your programme? Uh, My programme, it's uh, mainly on arts and culture and history and uh, anything arts related, really. And what what channel does it run on? It runs on uh, Cantonese channel Metro Broadcast. What's the the name of the programme? Well, in uh, English, we call it See the World.
0: Oh, very nice. Yeah. I don't don't reckon you're that dissimilar from what I do. So here we are in Sai Ying Pun today. So Audrey, what do you like? I mean, it's very hilly here, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, yeah it is.
1: Uh, so you have to imagine uh, before all these high-rises, all these buildings have uh, just sprung up. So over there, we can see the Victoria Harbour, literally. So uh, Sai Yingpun is very much a mountain city by the sea with very steep landscape. But you have to use a little bit of imagination to picture the, the uh, landscape then. Yeah. What does Sai Pun mean? Well, there are two versions of it, depending on uh, which one you are going to believe. So, the first one is about a pirate called Zhuanbozhai. Uh, <coughs> Zhuanbozhai, yeah, a very famous pirate in this area. There's a story saying that he has a, his gang has a base here in Sai Yingpun. So, in Cantonese, Sai West, meaning West, right? So, as opposed to the West Point, he also has a base on the East Point, which is in North Point. So legend has it that he has both his base in Ying and then North Point. So west and east opposite each other, right? So this is version one. So another version is that after the British soldiers came to Hong Kong Island, which is in the possession point where the Sheung Wan district is. So the west of possession point became west, right? So this is where they set up their military base camp in here. So they called it the West Point. So in Cantonese, it also means West, Sai Yeng, meaning a camp, Pun, meaning an enclave, really. So Sai Ying Pun makes much, much more sense in the military sense then. By digging into the history of Hong Kong, you will notice that actually, uh, when Champo Dai is active, um, the Qing dynasty, the, the Qing government, they also had a base in uh, Kowloon War City, right? So they oversee the harbour and uh, also oversee the Victoria, the Hong Kong Island. So literally it is quite impossible for a pirate to just set up a, a camp in West Point in Sai Yingpun. So I don't think the champo Chai uh, story holds much much uh, credibility in this ah, sense. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So where are we heading off to? We are heading off uh, to check out two historic buildings uh, along this area. So the first one is called the Old Yok Hospital. In Cantonese, we call it the Gou Zanjuk Wow, well, What's so special about this hospital is that it was uh, set up uh, by the first female foreign uh, doctor set foot in Hong Kong, Dr. Alice D. Hickling. She was actually the chairman of an establishment just near the Zanjuk Eiyuan. It's called the uh, West Point Public Dispensary. So it's a public clinic, so to speak. She's the chairman of that. And then she saw at that time in Hong Kong, there is a need for training up Chinese midwives
0: to deliver babies. So I've joined Audrey Yip, a freelance tour guide for Walking Hong Kong, also a broadcaster. And uh, we've started off just down below from where we are in Second Street for this tour of Sai Ying pun Now, 2nd Street was a little bit noisy with the traffic, so we've just ducked into an all-purpose community centre and medical centre. But in fact, this used to be a hospital, Audrey. Yes, it used to be a hospital and uh, before it was uh, officially a hospital, it
1: was also a training centre for the midwives service uh, for Chinese pregnant women. So from then on, Chinese uh, midwives, uh, they can deliver babies at home for Chinese pregnant ladies. So it largely decreased the mortality rate of babies at the time. Yeah. So you have to imagine uh, in the past, especially Chinese pregnant women, um, they don't really were comfortable seeing uh, Western medical doctors or midwives to deliver their baby and all that. So they prefer to stay home and find a neighborhood uh, midwives or someone someone's auntie or something like that to, to help them. So after the establishment of this Chanyeok uh, Hospital, there are proper
0: midwife service. Yeah. And can you tell me about the founder? Mm,
1: uh, it was founded by... A lady called Dr. Alice Pickling. So she was the chairman of the West Point
0: Public Dispensary, which is just next to this building. So we've just tucked into this old building. So when would this have been built? Uh, 1919. 1919, just over 100 years old, and it's still being used for a medical purpose? Yeah, part of it is still being
1: used for medical purpose, but uh, part of it are also uh, rented out for different community services. So I think it continues the usage of serving the community over the
0: past 100 years or so. Where would you like to go next?
1: Uh, we would like to go to the next building, which is also a historic building, but now converted into a heritage education centre.
0: So, what's the street we're heading up at the moment we call it the high street
1: yes. yeah <laughs> high street i think in in english it means the the main road right the, the most busy uh street in the neighborhood yeah it should be like that but in this context high street <laughs>
0: I, <laughs> I think you can you can have it both oh, ways right no, you're no yeah. kidding it's a very steep I and mean, when i think about yeah. anybody i mean we, you can hear the traffic coming up we're standing like, uh, by a set of traffic lights as you'll be able to hear at the moment but wow, you know, when anybody was getting their trolleys up, or it's uh, hardcore in, yeah. in previous times. Yeah, so high street translates into
1: Cantonese, it's called Go guy, right? So in Cantonese, Go, it means wow, the landscape is really, really high, it's really steep. <laughs> so you can take that as a translation, yeah. As well. If you take the original meaning of high street, it means the busiest street, really. Yes. It doesn't mean it was steep or high yes. in any sense, yeah. So it tells you a little bit uh, about the the early translation of English name into Chinese
0: name by uh, someone not quite eloquent in both languages. (laughs) We've got the old Chan-yuk maternity hospital, the main building in the annex block right in front of me. We've actually got I I should think this is very rare, is a red post office box. And can you describe this little courtyard? Well, I think it is part of
1: the original historic uh, fabric of the compound of the Old Chan Yeo Hospital and also the staff quarters of the West Point Dispensary, which is just next to each other. So about this uh, West Point um, Public Dispensary, uh, it relates to the context of another historic event in Hong Kong, the plague broke out in 1894. So it was a very severe plague plague and it took many, many lives. But after the government removes all the Taiping Shan area household and then have a public space over there, the plague doesn't just stop right there. So after that plague broke out for the consecutive 20 years or so, each year we have a small plague broke broke out. So in that sense, it it was decided that we have to set up a proper public dispensary uh, to treat people, to give medicine to people. In this context that's uh, the public dispensary was set up uh, in the uh,
0: 1920s, I think. This is lovely where we are at the moment. You've got this curved brickwork, a lot of outdoor sets of steps. So can you tell me a little bit about the architecture?
1: Well, I would say it is an eclectic mix of uh, (laughs) a Western with a Chinese influence, which is very typical of the uh, Hong Kong early colonial uh, buildings, really. So I think the uh, red brick and the uh, circular uh, facade here we we see uh, reminds us a little bit about like a Tudor thing or something like that. Yeah, but it's a borrowed style, really, a mix of different things. Um, But uh, you notice the base in here is made of granite. So it is a very high quality granite. And most of the time it is just the local material from different parts of Hong Kong. And we used to have many quarry grounds in Hong Kong and we export our very high quality granite also to overseas. So I think I love this historic uh, fabrics of old buildings. That's It why. is. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yes, and it's quite a quiet and I would say not relatively known quarter mm. here. So it's good that it's being highlighted on your Sai Puntua Pun tour for walk in Hong Kong. Yeah. Are either of these two buildings listed then? It was
1: graded as a Grade 1 historic building for the Old Chan York Hospital part and for the West Point Public Dispensary, which is now the Heritage Education Centre, it's a
0: Grade 2 status. And you've got this lovely old banyan with the roots coming down here. Yeah, yeah.
1: I love this old banyan in the urban areas of Hong Kong. So the banyan tree, they has this vitality. You just can't kill them. (laughs) Once they have a seed pop into whatever crack they can find, they will just grow and then be vibrant. So, but I love this combination about the nature and the man-made structure. And uh, it makes it very interesting. So what are we looking at next? So just opposite the West Point Public Dispensary old building, we have this very nice-looking church, a pre-war structure, built in the 1930s by a Swiss missionary. So it's called the Kaoyan Yan Church. So in Cantonese, Tong, it
0: means salvation. Let's go to visit a few old shops. Oh, yes, I'm looking uh, forward to this. Oh. As part of the Sai Kwan tour, yeah. there's uh, the t- opportunity with Walk in Hong Kong to actually go and meet some of the traders and uh, the old craftsmen really yeah old craftsmen and also shop owners
1: which has been in the area for generations and the one that we are going to see next it's a a bean curd uh, shop really started out as a a selling bean curd but not on uh, this street but on the main street And then they moved due to redevelopment time and again in different er areas. They first moved to 1st Street and then 2nd Street, now 3rd Street. (laughs) So they have been in literally every street inside (laughs) England over the years. Uh, Do you like chili sauce? (laughs) Yes. Oh, so this is one of the oldest brands in Hong Kong selling uh, chili sauce. And many of the Chinese restaurants use only their chili sauce for their dishes. And what's it called? Yu Guan Yu Guan yes. Okay. Yes <laughs> But oh. uh, they are quite pricey as opposed to other brands But uh, people, the foodie, just love the taste of it And uh, yeah, many come to here to buy a Do you know what the special ingredients are?
0: Well, they don't disclose <laughs> As if without it with <laughs> Big secret
1: Big secret, yes
0: Well, we're just stepping off into the road As the children from the local primary school probably come by so yeah this whole street is very, well non-touristic actually. Fruit vendors. Here we've got, ah oh yes, here we are with the bean curds. So we've yeah. got selling a bit of ginger, bean sprouts.
1: Yes, uh, they are uh, called the Huanhengei so they have been here as i said uh, for many many years now and the current owner mrs Squan, has been helping her husband's family to operate the business since she was 19 years old so it was quite some oh, time. decades
0: decades decades literally now they are in the third street now the bean curd that they're selling can you describe that at the top there
1: so what's so special? a great big slab yeah <laughs> uh, Big slab, and uh, what's so special about this shop is that they have their own uh, factory, so to speak, at the back of the house. So they have the front as the uh, shop and then the back as their uh, factory. They make their products uh, freshly daily. So it's a freshly made product. So the people, the locals just love coming in here to buy their bean curd. Instead of just a packet, a pre-packet, a chilled uh, bean curd that we see in supermarket, this is how they sell yes. it traditionally. And uh, a large slab of it, and then they will just divide it into rectangular blocks and sell to customers.
0: Yeah, it's super stuff. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> and also very re- reasonably priced. Yes. So what would you particularly use that for?
1: Well, I like to have it uh, with uh, minced pork ah yes with a little bit of chili sauce little bit of um yeah oyster sauce and then we have a very nice dish for rice (laughs) yes it's it
0: and it's so what i love about it is it's so flexible yes i love it as a protein and yeah so i tend to i'll I'll do all sorts i'll just cut it up into a even just into a salad sometimes which might be a bit unconventional but it works or fry it a little bit with uh, black pepper and and chili sauce Sure. so i might have to check out that that shop up there
1: Besides being curd, you, you notice they also sell different uh, sauces, condiments, and ingredients. And what's so interesting about their uh, packaging is that they are in small quantity, individually packed. I think it serves the nuclear family or the single uh, yes. yeah, uh, people who live in the neighbourhood. So you, instead of buying a, a, a gigantic uh, blocks of those, you just have a little bit of each so that you can uh, prepare your dish accordingly.
0: Yes and I would imagine that's a matter of economy yeah. and it's also a matter of space yes. so um, and in the fridge there behind they've got soya milk so fresh soya milk yeah. they've also got the deep fried to- tofu that you can have yeah. and more the more solid blocks mm. it's yeah. almost like I, I don't know is it that you drain it out more to get that more solid effect. For the
1: chilled bean curd, you mean? Mm. Yeah, I think you have to get rid of the uh, extra moisture. Yes, Because some of the dishes are prepared using drier bean curds. For your stir fry, for example, you have to have a bit more harder one, harder one, less uh, moisture ones, and then it's perfect. So, what's the product that they start off with? Soybeans? I think it's the. You mean the, what, what's the product they start off yeah. yeah,
0: in order to create that, in order to create the tofu that, that we're looking at. Yeah, soybeans, yes. They're yes. mainly soybeans
1: and uh, they have this uh, particular material called a sek in Cantonese. So, it's to, to harden it, to crystallize it, I think, yeah, to, to make it clot. And uh, you notice there is a statue uh, up there at the shop oh yes yeah yeah. it's the statue of guan yin it's gun yeah it's one of the deities uh, worshiped by uh, ethnic chinese of course and uh, it's interesting to note how they use the statue of guan yin as their trademark so it means that they must be a very very old shop because in recent years it is not allowed to use any religious symbols or representation in your trademark so but they still use it so you can imagine it must be quite a long history shop
0: what would you like to ask her oh i hear that you started at the age of 19 mm-hmm. what has kept you in the trade what mm-hmm. what has appealed to you about working okay. in the trade yeah yeah she
1: was married to the family uh when she was 19 years old 本身个字号咯, 起头就, so uh, she said that uh, because of the uh, old uh, brands of the family brand, uh, she would like to keep it as much as possible, uh, even though business has been um, fading away in recent years, really, uh, because of the change of taste of the people. And so uh, they used to have many uh, export uh, products uh, to different parts of the countries as well. But they now encounter another problem it's a counterfeit problem. So some of the other uh, owners, they would just pretend that it's their brand and uh, sell to customers that, "Oh, we are the uh, original Kuan Hinki and all that. So it uh, dampens their uh, reputation and also business.
0: The okay. I'm having a lovely morning walking around with Audrey Yip from Walk in Hong Kong on a tour of Saiyingpun. So we've gone down from the tofu shop, we've walked down and we're just in front of or near Pun MTR. Yeah, I think ever since the establishment of the Saiyingpun station
1: with the extension of the island line, uh, I think Pun as a whole changed quite a bit. You will notice how the high rises, the residential complex just sprung up in contrast with the rather old building, which is much, uh, much shorter. And I think we, you will notice, apart from the old shops uh, which has been here for generations, there are many new cafes, restaurants, and also individual, let's uh, take a shop in the Area as well. So it's an interesting mix of the old and the new, really. So I think it's part of the gentrification process in almost every area of Hong Kong. When you, when you have accessible transportation, people can come here very easily. So all the vibe of the neighbourhood started to change.
0: Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And you've got all of the new construction, of course. Have you got any more old bits?
1: <laughs> yes, uh, we're going to check out the paper offering oh, wow. shop. Oh, you see a queue just in front of us. Can you imagine, Emery, what are they queuing up for?
0: I don't know yet. Oh, is so, it food?
1: ah cheesecake yeah a burnt, burnt, burnt cheesecake,
0: cheesecake. the best best cheesecake I think. <laughs> yeah there's just a big queue outside so as you can hear a bit of construction work going on with that gentrification but we are actually just across the way here i think must rate as one of my favorite walls in hong kong because we're just at The junction of Eastern Street going down and Hospital Road, and all along there, you've got banyans and other trees which are stuck into the wall, and it's fantastic. And I, you know, and just all along, and you can feel the shade, Mm. there's an immediate cooling effect along Hospital Road and up Eastern Street. Here we are, Emery. So easy to miss this tin bow, tin pao paper offering workshop and shop. Oh, it's amazing so you've got any number of the paper offerings outside all on is it a sort of wooden or a bamboo structure there oh thank you for bringing me here
1: oh you're welcome so uh this temple um shop it's uh, owned by master ha we call him master ha okay so master Ha started out in the financial industry really but then he was so stressful uh doing day-to-day financial job um and then in one day, he decided he would like to have a change in Korea. And coincidentally, his family used to buy very, very expensive dragon heads or lion heads for celebration, which cost about 7,000 Hong Kong dollars each. So Master Ha reckoned that, why don't I learn how to do all these uh, paper effigy and festivities so that we can save more money for the family and also I can have a change in career. And then lucky him, he met an old master in his 70s and willing to take him as an apprentice so from then on he started from scratch and learned from the old master all the tricks and trades of doing this paper energy and offerings and now he's the master himself, Master Ha. So what are we looking at out here? Well it's a really a paper and bamboo model of a household, a different storeys, multi-storey household. So it, what is useful, uh, there are two kinds of paper offerings. One is for the, our ancestors. We believe that all the luxury, all the items of the material needs carry on when one passed away. So as a gesture of respect for our ancestor after they passed away, we will have all these paper offerings uh, set up and burned for them. So this house, multi-storey house, meaning that our ancestors should be living comfortably in their afterlife. So with a multi-story house, with sometimes with servants inside, with all the furniture, with all the items that you need, then um, we make sure that they live uh, quite comfortably even after they pass away. So this is one type and another type is for festivities, really. There are different festivities for different uh, religious and deities. So um, many of the time they will have uh, paper offerings to worship the gods. So there are two, two main types. And also for Master Ha specializes in making lanterns as well. So this is mainly for festivities and celebrations. So it requires intense craftsmanship. But as with all the traditional crafts and trades, uh, they are facing a huge competition from mainland China, really. Because now uh, mainland China, they can just laser print whatever (laughs) you want. But of course it's not in a 3D dimensional uh, model thing. It's just a 1D thing. But uh, it's so easy to just do it in the computer, really, and then have it printed out in very, very cheap and uh, large scale. So uh, slowly their business is uh, facing difficulty as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is some of the examples of uh, the kind of food that we imagine our ancestors would like, like sushi or pizza, sometimes even birthday cakes, but...
0: <laughs> and, uh, so you create that all out
1: of paper? Yeah, all out of paper and offer to our ancestors. Well, maybe luxury watches, the latest brands of a uh, mobile phone
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's got to be the, the most expensive the latest luxury cars. Yes, yes.
1: So this is for the celebrations in one of the new territories a traditional village. We call it the crackers really, the flowery crackers, but they yes, are yes. not yeah, they they're not crackers
0: per se but no. uh, it's just yeah, there you sticking. see enormous ones out yeah. on the,
2: in the front of the village. Yes, yeah. yes yeah. Master Ha, such a privilege to, to see inside this. So this is considered
0: to be a small scale
1: model, but for the large scale one, which uh, sprung from two, uh, three to four storey high, they have another factory in the uh, Western Street over there as well. Yeah.
0: Thank you ever so much. The opportunity to see two craftsmen like that, Master Ha Chung Kin. So I really hope that uh, I can come back and uh, see his shop again. Hopefully soon enough we'll come back to Sai Ying Pun to have a sip of
1: coffee and then the burnt cheesecake and then visit Master Ha again. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: sounds like a good tour. A big thank you to Audrey Yip for some highlights there of the Walk in Hong Kong Tour, Hill Town Charm, Food and Culture Tour in Sai Ying Pun. To finish up, I'm catching up with David Bellis, the founder of the Hong Kong history website, gwulo.com. Hello, David. Hello. So you've been to England. Have you picked up some postcards?
2: Yes, I can't resist, unfortunately. <laughs> there was one of the, the big postcard fairs on while I was there, which may or may not have been the reason I chose the date to arrive in, in the UK. <laughs> and so I, I went along there and, and stocked up on some good pictures. You'll be seeing that on the website over the next few months.
0: Oh, excellent.
2: Now you've got a talk coming up. Yes, end of the month, so it's the last Sunday in May. That's May the twenty-eighth, and it's at the Maritime Museum, which is good because I haven't talked there before. It's in the afternoon, three o'clock, and it's free of charge. So can't Better, go wrong.
0: yeah. So if it's a maritime, does it have a maritime theme?
2: Of course, yep. Yeah. So we've chosen Book Three, which was the one with all the sort of harbour-themed photos and stories. Now I'll be picking some of the photos out of there and, and telling their stories.
0: So you've got four books. Uh, so far with photographs, I think there's book five on the way. And uh, this is from your forays into the, you know, the postcard fairs. Also, of course, com, which you founded, which has got tens of thousands of, of photographs on it. All of different aspects of Hong Kong's history. Book three. Yes, you just focused on the harbour and
2: uh, boaty themes. <laughs> Exactly, I think that's a technical term. Yeah. Yes, you know, that's Hong Kong. I, I've just been reading these letters by someone who arrived here in the eighteen hundreds and he's complaining about what a ridiculous place Hong Kong is. Before you can build a house he says you've got to you've got to cut away a bit of mountainside. It's so steep there's just nowhere to build. <laughs> but then he turns around and says, Well, of course, you know, no one's here for the buildings. It's the wonderful harbour. That's why why Britain is here.
0: So have you got a couple of pictures you can talk about from your talk or give us a preview?
2: Yeah, there's there's one that's sort of coming up for this time of year. It's all about dragon boats. So there's three things we do. We'll put the big picture up on the screen. It's always just nice to see them on the big screen. And then we'll do the who and what and when and where a bit of detective work. And so this one comes from North Point, which surprised me because most of the dragon boats we see, the races, are in the fishing areas. But the story is that North Point was trying to position itself as uh, sort of the Riviera of, <laughs> of the northern Hong Kong shore, <laughs> so there was a little little hotel there and, and a minion mm. recreation gardens, so and they were trying to get people to come out on the tram and they struggled they tried all sorts of different things, but anyway, one year they thought we 'll hold the dragon boat races in front of our recreation gardens and the crowds will come and will be rich and famous so that's what the, the picture captures and then, and then the other part is of course every time we start looking at these we we find these little stories and i hadn't realized how dangerous dragon boating was and i was reading about it up in canton which were the big big races but they were reported down in the hong kong newspapers and several people were killed each year oh gosh they, there'd be these ongoing brawls it would be. I think the teams would would have a grudge against each other, and it would sort of simmer for the year, and then it would it would come to the point they'd all meet in these adrenaline charged environments. There'd be big fights afterwards, and then the surprising one, given that they're fishermen, is they couldn't swim, and so the dragon boats you know quite easily fill up and and, and sink, and and several people would drown each year as well. So that's uh, yeah, it's a mixture of pictures of. Hong Kong from the harbour, so we'll be looking at how the city changed over the years. I'll use some old photos to do that. We'll be looking at the people who worked around the harbour obviously, lots of fishermen, uh, lots of uh, sailors from the Navy, and then the people who were just there for the fun, people who went out for a swim.
0: In their what, 1920s sort of outfits?
2: Yes, woolen. Can you imagine that?
0: Well, no, really.
2: Woolen swimming suits. I think that's what they were made of.
0: The details for David's talk and walk in Hong Kong are on my Hong Kong Heritage Facebook page. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage.